Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Kia ora. For Eyewitness and RNZ, I'm Justin Gregory. It's 8am on November the 15th, 1992, and the New Zealand men's cricket team, the Black Caps, are waking up in Colombo, Sri Lanka. They've been in the country for less than a day, and in his hotel room, batsman Ken Rutherford has just taken delivery of his breakfast. Well, I just plonked it on top of my bed and was sitting down to whatever I was eating, and then boom, and the train lap on the floor of my hotel room, and gee whiz, what's this? What's this? is a bomb exploding directly outside the team's hotel. It was just a, a big blast, and it was more the reverberations and the you know, shaking, I guess. The, it seemed like quite a long time, five to seven seconds probably, that's all. Quite a few of our guys were all on the same floor, and the, all the doors were open, the corridors. I think it was Warren Lees had a view outside over the, the road. Uh, went to Warren's room and out in the balcony and then saw the big plume of smoke and the, the carnage. A suicide bomber on a motorbike had rammed a car containing Sri Lankan Navy commander Clancy Fernando. Four people, including the bomber, are dead. I think I went down uh, around midday to have a look and see what the lie of the land was and obviously the car totally burnt out, a big hole in the ground and horrible parts of human parts around, around the fence and gate area and stuff like that. So it wasn't a great scene, a real uh, a sobering scene for, for us Kiwis. Captain Martin Crow asks Ken how it looks outside. Ken tells him not too good. And he knew what he was talking about. This wasn't the first time a bomb had exploded near the Black Caps, or even the first time it had happened to Ken Rutherford. Sri Lanka were four years into a vicious civil war when the New Zealand team toured there in 1987. Immediately after the first test ended, a huge bomb destroyed a bus station just 400 metres from the team hotel. The BBC's John Retty was there. As I ran to the scene, injured people covered with blood were staggering out of the square where the buses stopped. The square itself was full of shattered and twisted vehicles. It was only as I crunched across the broken glass and wreckage between the buses that I caught sight of the piles of mangled bodies lying on the ground. Many were charred and naked. One man was making a futile effort to beat out the flames of a corpse on fire. Near what looked like the point of the explosion, the headless and naked body of a child lay on the ground beside a heap of others. Nearly 200 people were killed. The station was on the team's bus route home, and they'd missed the bomb by just a few minutes. Coming back to our hotel, lots of uh, chaos in the, in the lobby area, and I found a mate of mine, Jimmy Chandler, who happened to be in the house bar, settling his nerves, and uh, said, Jimmy, what's happened? And he said... Rudd's just been a bomb about uh, two or three blocks down the road, which has just shook the whole place. Despite assurances from local officials, the team clamoured to come home. Sri Lanka just didn't feel safe to them, and Prime Minister David Longy agreed. I don't know of any Commonwealth terrorist activity which has been such a cold, brutal massacre as the one that took place in Colombo. Commentator Brian Waddle was on tour with the team, and he could read their mood. And while there's that element of risk, that element of danger, they don't really want to uh, play cricket. The team voted to come home and flew out soon after. Ken says the situation in 1987 was volatile and the team felt exposed. 
claims from Sri Lankan authorities that we could, they could protect our security were probably a bit lame. I certainly felt lame when they did perhaps in 1992. So here they are again, five years on and in shock after another bombing. Keep in mind that while smaller in size, the 1992 explosion was much, much closer to the team, right outside their hotel. All-rounder Gavin Larson actually saw the attack happen, as his wife Karen tells RNZ. What he saw was this motorcyclist, and he just drove straight into a, into a car and everything went up in flames. You know, there was smoke and flames everywhere and there was screaming and you know, absolute chaos. Karen Larson says her preference is for the Kiwi team to come home. And Deepak Patel's wife, Veena, echoed many other wives and family, saying safety comes before sport and she wants her husband home. So what do you do? Take the chance, stay and play cricket, or go home and risk upsetting the Sri Lankan authorities. Ken Rutherford had been here before, and even he was in two minds. What we learned in 87 was that you sort of ride that initial emotional wave, really, where you're shocked, you're horrified, you're feeling a bit, uh, I guess, isolated from your family and friends back home, and you're in a foreign country uh, experiencing something which is completely foreign. And that maybe I got over that a bit quicker because I knew it was going to be there. Hoping for advice, Ken rang his family back home in Dunedin. My wife, who's my ex-wife now, she suggests I stay there, so that's how much she's thought of me. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Ken was unsure, but five of the team are certain. It's time to go. Mark Greatbatch, Deepak Patel, Gavin Larson, Willie Watson, Rod Latham and coach Warren Lees, they just want out of there, and at first Rutherford falls in with them. But a safety briefing that afternoon makes him reconsider. The team wasn't the target of the bomb. The war is in a different phase. And for Ken, the situation just feels different to the way it did in 1987. The team take a vote on whether to stay or go, and they deadlock at 9-all. With those numbers, the tour can't continue, and the New Zealand cricket board is informed. Everyone goes back to their rooms thinking that it's all over. But actually, it's just starting. On the line from Auckland is the chairman of the Cricket Council, Peter McDermott. Good morning, Mr McDermott. Good morning. Can you say that the tour is off officially? No, unfortunately we can't. We will be looking at whether the tour can be salvaged and I would have thought that the intention would be to try and salvage it if possible. 16 November, the day after the bomb. Word spreads that board chairman Peter McDermott is flying to Sri Lanka to talk to the team. Yeah, we were kind of shocked. Um, it kind of brought home to all of us the gravity of the decision, really, that it wasn't just about a bomb and that team. There was something more to it. I can only surmise that it had to do with deals that New Zealand cricket had done with Sri Lankan cricket, perhaps, in terms of future tours and maybe some payments. I don't know. It's something more than simply a bomb going off in front of our hotel. What are the ramifications within the cricket world of calling off the tour? Oh, the ramifications, of course, are substantial. Um, but I do believe that uh, there could be difficulties with us and Sri Lanka uh, having uh, reciprocal tours in the future. There's a trade expo, substantial trade expo on in Colombo at the moment. Uh, their tourist trade is booming and uh, it would be sad if New Zealand cricket um, got involved in that sort of discussion, but regrettably we are being drawn into it. If you want to know more about why they were drawn in, you can go to rnz.co.nz forward slash eyewitness, where you can read all about Peter McDermott's reasons for trying to salvage the tour. McDermott arrives, and the next morning he addresses the team as a whole, then talks to each player individually. He's identified Chris Harris and Ken Rutherford as being key players for the tour continuing. The likes of Great Bash, Patel, Larson, Latham and others were going home. They'd made their decision, they were rock solid on that, and that, that perhaps if Harris and myself couldn't be convinced to stay, that the credibility of the side, by, by having to make two 
too many changes with reinforcements from New Zealand would be too compromised. 1992 was a tricky time to make your living from cricket. Only batsmen Andrew Jones and Martin Crowe had full-time contracts. Everyone else was paid only when playing. The board itself had only about three full-time employees running all of men's cricket across the country. There are stories over the years of players not getting their tour contracts before flying out or being handed them at the airport. Ken Rutherford remembers being made to sign documents that he only ever saw the back page of. There'd been a pay dispute with the board before the tour and it's possible that some of that bad feeling remained. After all, pride in playing for your country can only carry you so far. McDermott asks Rutherford what it would take to stay. Easy, says Ken. A contract. Done, says the chairman. Ken Rutherford was now committed to staying in Sri Lanka. Keep in mind that cricket was Rutherford's job. If he didn't play, then he didn't get paid. He had kids, and he agreed to stay in Sri Lanka for the same reason that he'd wanted to leave, his family. Rutherford knew some of the team would take his change of mind badly. There's two or three guys there who I won't name, who I'm sure to this day still hold a bit of a grudge against me, that I in some way let them down. I don't quite share that sense, but anyway, that's for everyone to, to feel the way they want to feel. I think in, in that kind of situation, which was thoroughly unique, there is no blueprint, there is no hard and fast rule, there is no, gee whiz, there's no right and wrong, is there? While Ken felt reasonably well treated by McDermott, others tell different stories. Coach Warren Lees is asked to resign immediately. He refuses. There are stories of players being heavily pressured to stay, and in the end, five do change their minds and the tour is back on. The team immediately splits into two. Those going home wait in Colombo for their flights. Those staying go to a beach resort to recover. And after their break, all the extra security around the team means playing cricket is now all they do. You went to the ground in the morning, you played your game, you came back at night, you had a shower, and you went downstairs to the house bar and the hotel you're staying in, and, that's, and you had a meal and you went to bed, and that's what you did for the remaining three to four weeks of the tour. So cricket became very, very much the, the, the primary focus. Three claustrophobic weeks later, the tour ends and the Black Caps board a plane for home. They'd won none of their games, but there had been no more bombs. In April next year, Coach Warren Lees' contract expires and it isn't renewed. Some of the players who went home early from the tour will struggle to be selected for the national team in the coming years, although you can argue form issues for some of them. None of the team were offered counselling. That just wasn't what we did back in 1992. And as far as Ken Rutherford knows, none of them ever talked to each other about what they'd all been through. I can't recall a time where I've actually sat down with the likes of Tobac and, and Great Batch, Latham, Larson, and actually talked about it. There was never a time where as a group we got together that I can recall anyway and say, right, whatever happened, Sri Lanka is gone and let's get back together and get in the same line of thought. But it seems like some lessons had been learnt because, almost unbelievably, in 2002 there was another bomb on another New Zealand cricket tour. This time they were in Pakistan, but once again the explosion was right outside the team's hotel. The captain of the Black Caps, Stephen Fleming, described sprinting to a nearby car park after the explosion with some members of his team still unaccounted for. And there were guys with uh, one guy with a limb missing walking through. The noises he made obviously were uh, quite distressing. And uh, sitting in the car park is the, the feeling that, uh, that you lose half your team. And that's pretty tough. But from the start, things are done 
differently. Within hours of the bomb going off, New Zealand Cricket's chief executive Martin Sneddon was confirming that the team was coming home. He says it was an easy decision to make. At all times, the safety of our players and members of team management it must have priority over absolutely everything else. The team has been offered counselling and Martin Sneddon says seeing the strain on the players today leaves no doubt in his mind that the organisation made the right decision to call off the tour. Three tours, three bombs, three very different responses. 25 years on, Ken Rutherford doesn't regret his decision to stay in Sri Lanka in 1992. He just wishes he'd looked after his friendships a bit better. You know, it's, it was a very much a, a hotbed of, of emotion and um, things are always going to be done perhaps incorrectly, uh, certainly in hindsight anyway. We shouldn't throw too many darts at times for decisions which were made in an environment which was kind of untested in that regard. This story was produced by me, Justin Gregory, and it uses archival audio from Natalna Sound and Vision. The engineers were Claude Vores and Blair Stagpool. You can subscribe to every Eyewitness podcast at iTunes or at radionz.co.nz forward slash series. And while you're there, please give us a rating. That way more people get to hear about Eyewitness. If you like this story, you should listen to Just One Thing. It's a new podcast series from RNZ of candid conversations about the precious objects in our lives and the stories behind them. And if you have stories you want us to tell, you can email us at eyewitness at radionz.co.nz. Kakite anō. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.